Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Nicole Hannah-Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks, that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times, to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. I've always spoken the way, I, the way I do. But if I'm honest, when I, was, when I was probably a baby lawyer, trainee solicitor, there may have been occasions where I poshed up trying to impress a new client mm. or trying to impress a job during advocacy. Uh, but after a while, when you get more confidence, you realize actually if you're good, then, you know, being authentic works much, much better. And so, so I've never hidden, uh, you know, the, where I've come from and who I am and how I speak. Welcome back to season two of the Wannabe podcast, the podcast that takes you from where you are right now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Thank you for staying subscribed and listening in. Last season and the Black History Month special were an absolute dream to put together for you. And thank you for the new reviews as well. This season will be a little different. The key changes are that there will be only one episode per week, but it'll be short, sweet and double the amount of motivational goodness you've come to know and expect. Sadiq Khan is a British politician serving as the Mayor of London since 2016. He served as the Member of Parliament or MP for Tooting from 2005 to 2016. He got his law degree from the University of North London. Before entering politics, he was a solicitor specialising in human rights. Before becoming mayor, he also held a number of positions in government, including Minister of State for Communities in 2008, Minister of State for Transport, Shadow Secretary of State for Justice, Shadow Lord Chancellor and Shadow Minister for London. He was elected mayor of London at the 2016 mayoral election, succeeding Boris Johnson, winning by the largest number of votes in one election of any politician in British history. In today's episode, the mayor will show you how to look at the glass as half full. He shares how he handles the responsibility and subsequent blame when tragedy strikes. He reveals whether women and other BAME individuals should run for London mayor. And finally, is it ever worth poshing up your voice to get ahead in politics or for any job, really? We jump in with the mayor sharing where he thought he'd end up in life if he wasn't the mayor. Hi, Sadiq. How are you? Good to be here. Good to join you. I'm really excited. Um, Good. I'm so glad we finally got some time in the diary to do this. I'm hoping you're as excited at the end as you're at the beginning. I'll try my best. <laughs> I hope so too, actually. <laughs> um, so my first question is, who did you think you'd become before you became the Mayor of London? You mean when I was an adult or when I was younger? Both. So when I was younger, my, 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 my ambition was to be a cricketer. Uh, nice. you, know, you know, that was you know, aimed high. And uh, at age 15, there was a huge miscarriage of justice where the uh, the talent scout at Surrey County Cricket Club didn't take me on to be a cricketer. Why? And so, because I wasn't good enough in his eyes, but he made a big mistake, of course. That was the miscarriage of justice. 
And uh, then I, I did science there. I always wanted to be a dentist. But then I watched a program called LA Law. You're far too young to remember this program. But LA Law was of these glamorous lawyers in LA who took on these cases against, as the underdog against these corporations. And, you know, and so I changed from being a dentist to wanting to become a, a lawyer and was a lawyer for 11 years. Loved being a lawyer. Loved it. Absolutely loved I'm it. Shocked. Um, <laughs> but then I got the chance to be the MP for my own area. And that was like a dream to be the MP for your own neighborhood, Tootin in South London, which I loved. I did that for 11 years. And then I got a chance to be the MP for what I the, the mayor, I beg your pardon, for what is, I think, the greatest city in the world. And so I'm doing the dream job, being the mayor of uh, London. And so uh, I'm looking forward to my next 22 years as the mayor. Wonderful. <laughs> How are you finding the job so far? In general, Look, I, I love being a mayor. I mean, it's not—it's not always a walk in the park. Over the last two years, we've had the awful, you know, tram accident in Sandylands Croydon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost lives there. We've had an awful Grenfell Tower tragedy. Mm-hmm. We've had, you know, four terrorist attacks uh, in our in our city. We've got uh, over the horizon Brexit with all, all all that brings with it. So, look, there are, there are tough times as well, but there is no, you know, greater satisfaction than 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 helping others. And this city gave my family and me the chance to in my I, my view, fulfill our potential and the, the chance to help others uh, fulfill their potential, give a helping hand. You know, I, I love it. And I, I love meeting people, particularly young Londoners. I was in a school yesterday and no, I love my job. I'm very lucky. Yeah. And how do you handle the, I guess, immense pressure and eyeballs on you when you are dealing with massive tragedies that are happening in the city and people kind of, I guess, blaming you sometimes, yeah. somewhat unfairly. How do you handle that? Well, look, I think nothing if, if I'm, nothing can prepare you for being the mayor, honestly. But I, I, you know, I was an MP, I was a lawyer, I was a minister, all that sort of stuff. But it, it's all it's all consuming. Um, but I, I'm lucky. I, I've surrounded myself with very talented people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my family are very supportive. I'm good friends. And you need that support network uh, mm-hmm. because... I think to do a job properly, you want to give it your all. And I know, you know, whatever you might think of politicians from other parties, whether they're conservative, Lib Dem, you know, I'm a Labour politician. I think most of us believe in public service. And I think actually the, the, the British public, Londoners, are so generous. I mean, you know, for every horrible tweet or horrible uh, thing that somebody might say, there are literally dozens and dozens who are saying nice things, who are thanking you, who are uh, appreciative, who want you to do even better and stuff. And so, you know... Of course, there are days where people are critical and stuff, but it comes with the territory. You know, you speak to cleaners or porters or junior doctors or, mm-hmm. or journalists or those who work in refugee centres or those who work in women's refugees. I mean, they have far more stressful and difficult jobs than I do. Yeah. I mean, how do you switch off from that? Do you, do you go home and just not be mayor? Do you just get to be a normal man? We have a rule in my home, which is I try not to talk about work when I get home. Yeah, I've got How's that a, a lovely, well, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it works to an extent. So my wife, uh, uh, my two daughters, we, we're a normal family. We've got, you know, um, my mum, no ears of graces. I, when I visit my mum, I get told off for not visiting often enough. You know, she overfeeds me and she makes me put the rubbish out and all that sort of stuff. Uh, my brothers live nearby, my sister and my in-laws live nearby and stuff. So we, you know, you need that, you need that, you need that sort of normality because, you know, my day is not like a normal day. You know, I could be in the morning meeting the commission of the Met Police Service, in the afternoon meeting a mayor of another city or the president or prime minister of another country. You can meet chief executives, you can you know, meet journalists. Mm. And so it can go to your head, of course. I mean, so there's a reason why politicians get out of touch because we don't live normal lives. There are, you know, when I was an MP, in Parliament, people don't realise this, but within Parliament, there are restaurants only MPs can eat in. What? There are cor- really? yeah, yeah, there are corridors. Are they really nice? Only we can. Not, the company's not so great. The food's okay. Um, <laughs> there are corridors only we can walk down, and so 
you know, if you've got a ministerial car, you don't even use public transport. So you can see how they can lose touch. And one of the things I promised myself was I would never lose touch with uh, other Londoners. So, you know, I use the tube, I use the bus, I walk around. I saw you on the tube people. once, actually. Okay. Sat opposite each other. Okay, okay. Didn't say hi because uh, I was scared. Well, <laughs> saying hi, no, nobody's scared of me, but no, I'm glad, glad we met now. But And, <laughs> and you got to do that because it, it, it keeps it normal and keeps it real and it makes you, reminds you why you're in this job in the first place. Yeah. I mean, given everything you know now, um, and I guess some of the abuse and less pleasant aspects of the job, would you still recommend that women and people from BAME backgrounds go into this and pursue being the mayor or in politics in general? Absolutely. Look, one of the things that upsets me the most about some of the uh, vile uh, that some women politicians receive and the stuff that people of colour receive in particular is it may inadvertently deter others Mm -hmm. from standing for public office or becoming a politician. And by the way, even white politicians receive horrible abuse, particularly on social media. And what I'd say is a few things. One, that's not reflective of my experience generally of people. People are wonderful. They are thoroughly decent. They're encouraging and they're supportive. Two, don't allow them to succeed by putting you or others off uh, politics. Uh, but three, actually, it's so rewarding. Look, you know, I used to be a lawyer. I had a great living as a lawyer and stuff. But the satisfaction I received as a politician, uh, albeit you know, more abuse than I received as a lawyer, Mm-hmm. is far greater than I was uh, when I was a lawyer, you know. And so, you know, it's, and it's really important that you, that you realize, you know, that that this is the way to bring about big change by getting involved in politics. And, and I encourage people to join all mainstream parties. You know, don't necessarily think that the Labour tribe is the one for you. Look at the Conservatives as well. And in, in all the mainstream parties, you'll never find, you'll, you'll very rarely find a political party that you agree with 100% of their views, mm-hmm. right? Look at the values of that party. Look at the, the party which has things that you agree with most and enjoy that party. Get involved. Yeah. This is Nicole Hannah-Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks, that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times, to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. That's fair enough. And that seems like solid advice for anyone that aspires to be in politics. I've been asked to go into it because I speak quite well. Um, but no, thanks. Well, <laughs> I'll you, leave that to you. You're really in, you, actually, what I say is you're, you're already in politics. You're not in party politics. And so that's the mistake people make is they assume they're not political when they are. Mm. What they aren't is party political. And so that's the next step up. So you're, you're, What's you the know, difference? Well, politics is basically bringing about change in, in our society. You can do it by signing a petition. You can do it by going on a march. You can do it by being a campaigning journalist. You can do it by the sort of interviews you have on your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's politics. You're, you're, you're influencing the way people think and behave and ultimately, hopefully act. Party politics is joining a, 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 a political party mm-hmm to bring about change via parliament or via a council or via the London Assembly or whatever the route may, the route may be. And so- Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, 
so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. So, you know, that, that's the, the next step up. I mean, there are some people who have brought about huge change doing politics, but not party politics. I'll give you one example. So there's a woman, there's a Londoner called Caroline Credo Perez. Yeah, I know her, yeah. So Caroline is, for intended purposes, in politics. She's she's changed the way some of her money, Jane Austen's now on the money. Uh, because of her campaigning, we now have a statue of a woman finally in Parliament Square. She's not party political um, in that in the sense that she's not a councillor or a, a member of Parliament or the mayor or a member of the Assembly, but she's bringing about change. And, and you, I'm sure, uh, you know, are passionate about certain issues that, you know, you may not yet be ready to join a political party, but you're political. And that, what frustrates me is this patronizing attitude politicians have, which is that young people aren't interested in politics. No, they are. But because the way we talk about politics is in a dry way, the way we shout at each other in, in PMQs puts people off the Yabu politics. Don't be surprised if people don't make the, the, the leap from politics to party politics. Yeah, that's pretty valid. I guess I am somewhat political then. Thank you. <laughs> um, I actually wanted to circle back to, I guess, people of color and people from BMA. BAME backgrounds and lower socioeconomic backgrounds. Yes. Because, um, especially in London, we have like a variety of accents, a variety of ways of speaking and doing things. And I was just wondering um, if you've ever felt the pressure to change the way you speak to better, um, I guess, better get your point across um, or posh up, so to speak, because I felt the pressure to change the way I speak. And I think a lot of people listening might feel that they don't have the voice um, of a politician, even though they are maybe interested in politics? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, so I come from a working class background. Mm. The way I describe myself is working class boy, middle class man. And I'm from South London, raised in a council estate. You know, uh, the jobs my parents did were humble jobs, bus driver and uh, seamstress. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's tempting when you become a lawyer to speak like other lawyers in court or how the judge speaks in court. And the way I describe it is, is actually most people of colour are not just bilingual, but, but multilingual. What do I mean? When we're on the street, we have a, a certain vernacular. When we're with our families, we speak in a different way. Mm. Uh, when we're with our mates, we speak in a different way. When we're at school, university, or work, we speak in a different way. And the key thing is to be authentic in relation to who you are. So don't. my, my advice would be is there may be circumstances where you've got to mind your P's and Q's. You know, Don't use swear words when you're in place of work with mum or dad, where you may do with your mates. 
Um, and so you just, you got to be smart about this. You know, I've always spoken the way, I, the way I do, but if I'm honest, when I was, when I was probably a baby lawyer, trainee solicitor, there may have been occasions where I poshed up trying to impress a new client mm. or trying to impress a job during advocacy. Um, but after a while, when you get more confidence, you realize actually if you're good, then, you know, being authentic works much, much better. And so, so I've never hidden, uh, you know, the, where I've come from and who I am and how I speak. And you speak to my, you know, my brothers and my family, we all speak the same way. We're all relatively successful. Uh, and that's quite important in relation to not losing that. But I don't criticize people who have inverted commas poshed up because, you know, we all adapt and evolve. You know, we don't, we're not set in stone and we stay the same way for the rest of our lives. We all adapt and evolve. You know, we've all changed the way we spoke as children. Why? Because our vocabularies increased and stuff. And so, you know, the fact that I go to the theater now doesn't mean I've poshed up. It's because, you know, having a decent job with decent remuneration means I can have access to the theater which I didn't as a child. And so, you know, it is, it is a continuing you know, um, tension there is when you become, when you, when you make the transition from being working class to mm. being middle class, the circle of friends you have at university is different to the circle of friends you had at state primary school or state secondary school. Mm. If you get a job that's well paid in the city, again, the circle you move in is very different. And so, you know, do what, you, do what you're comfortable in, but don't think you've got to change the way you speak just to be accepted because people will accept you, most decent people for who you are. Yeah, do you think there's room for like a Cockney mayor then? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I try my best to to <laughs> speak real, speak normal and stuff. But I think one of the things, the great things about mayor, and you, and you look at all three London mayors, whatever you think about Ken Livingston, Boris Johnson, or myself, we've all been authentic. None of us have poshed up. Um, I mean, in Boris's case, he maybe should have poshed down. Yeah, um, a bit. <laughs> but, but to be fair to him, he never hid his poshness. To give him credit, you know, he never hid the fact he's a he's a privileged Eton boy who went to Oxford and then had a privileged uh, life. To give him credit, he didn't hide that, you know, and there are some politicians who try and hide their background. They've had a decent and very privileged background and they try and hide it or, you know, other, you know, and so, and that's the great thing about mayor. You, you can, you, you're who you are. That's why, why, why people vote for you in the end because you're authentic. Yeah. So what are you working on getting better at right now, personally? Uh, the key thing I'm, I'm trying to do is make sure that, the, that we deal with the, 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 the current problems facing our city immediately. And the big problem facing our city is uh, uh, violent crime. It's a big, big issue for us. And so what can we do thinking outside the box to, to grapple with an issue that's affecting the entire country? Mm-hmm. And so it's the case that across the country, violent crime's gone up. It's not just the London problem. Bearing in mind the government's made massive cuts, we can't assume the government's going to reverse those cuts. And so the, the big exciting thing we're doing in London is a new violent reduction unit using the public health approach to deal with crime. So the example is this, treat crime, treating crime as a public health means um, how do you, do, do you deal with the public health? One is you you stop the you deal with the infection. Secondly, you stop the infection spreading. And three, you look at what the cause of the infection were in the first place. Mm. The same goes for uh, knife crime. Stop knife crime happening, enforcement. Stop it spreading, other people joining criminal gangs. Thirdly, ask yourself why it happened in the first place. And that's multiple co- complex reasons. So crime's a big issue facing us at the moment. But the big campaign working on, uh, uh, um, and I've just come from, a really good talk given by uh, the two authors of Slay in Your Lane, mm-hmm. uh, Yomi and Elizabeth, is how we make sure that we help uh, girls and women in London uh, fulfill their potential. And this year, in 2018, when we celebrate, commemorate 100 years of the first women getting the right to vote, we celebrate the progress made by pioneers who have broken glass ceilings. We, we're committing to redoubling our efforts to end gender inequality. And it's really important that we, we do so. And the phrase that I've got is... It's as a play on the feminist slogan, but behind every great, great city is, uh, you know, is equality, opportunity, and progress. Awesome. So, what is the message that you want people to take away once you've wrapped up being mayor? You're tired of it. 
What, what do you want them to take away from it? The, the key message I want to take away is to make Londoners realise that actually uh, with hard work, there is a helping hand for you to fulfil your potential. And that's the story of the Khan family. We worked hard as a family. We had the helping hand of good state schools, uh, you know, good politicians, good legislation, family, others. And we had, we had a potential fulfilled. And my frustration is too many Londoners uh, and others around the country work hard, do all the right things. But there's no helping hand mm. to have the potential fulfilled. And this administration is all about being the helping hand, whether it's housing, whether it's affordable transport, whether it's staying safe, whether it's addressing air quality issues, whether it's you know, having the relationships you need, skilling you up to have the skills for the jobs of tomorrow, uh, you know, starting a business, expanding your business, you know, trading overseas. It's about being a helping hand. I'm not pretending we've got all the solutions. Um, what we can do is either signpost you to somebody who can help you, give you the funding you need if it's you, uh, change strategy and policies to create an environment where you can prosper and do well. That, you know, we want London to be a beacon for people to have their potential fulfilled. Awesome. Um, so finally, um, what's the most frustrating part of your job and the most rewarding so we can end on a high? The most frustrating part of the job is actually the lack of powers that I've got. People don't realise this, that although we've had a mayor for 18 years, the mayor's got very few powers. I'll give you a, 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 an example. So we get to spend, I get to spend uh, with council 7% of the taxes raised in this country, 7% only, whereas New York gets to spend 50%, Tokyo 70%. So a lot of the things I'd like to do, I can't, I've not got the powers. That's really frustrating. Mm. Um, uh, that's the worst part of the job is the fact that we want to go, you know, cap in hand, begging the government for resources or powers. The best thing are Londoners. I mean, honestly, you know, every day in my job, forget no days uh, are the same, but no hours the same. And the people I meet are just so diverse, you know, different backgrounds, different ages, different genders, different experiences. And I'm learning all the time. You know, there's, there's a great saying, many of us who are children were told by our parents, which is, you know, you've got two ears and one mouth, use me in that proportion. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always listening and learning and trying to be a better person, but also a better mayor. And you always learn on the job. Don't, in whatever job you're in, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a journalist, whether you're, you know, a, a politician, whether you're the mayor, don't ever assume you're the finished product because, because there's things you can learn all the time. And so meeting Londoners, whether it's yesterday morning, I was at primary school, uh, this afternoon, I was listening to two great authors. This morning, I was with uh, trade unions from the fire service, um, this after, this evening I'll be having a reception with businesses and business leaders across our city. Uh, that's the great thing about my job and I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sadiq. This has been such a treat. My pleasure. Thank you. It's not an easy job to be the mayor, but I personally feel very inspired by how optimistic and positive Sadiq was about the job and his overall commitment to helping others fulfill their potential. I'm not sure I could put up with 1% of what he does and still remain positive about people, so I find him to be quite refreshing. To follow the mayor, you can do so at Sadiq Khan and be sure to tell him that at Wannabe Podcast sent you. Thank you so much for listening in. If you're listening via the Apple Podcast app, please do me the small favour of spending five seconds to leave a rating. And if you have a bit more time, leave a review as well. Also, do get your career brand and marketing questions in for the mailbag episodes with Prisca. You can do this via wannabepodcast.com and selecting Ask Prisca. Also, we have a new social media manager that's really setting a new tone on Instagram, so be sure to follow at Wannabe Podcasts on Instagram. If you like how this episode is made, then you can reach out to the Shoutout Network, which is open for pitches um, and ideas. So if you have a podcast idea that you really want to create, please do get in touch by the Shoutout Network website, shoutoutnetwork.co.uk. Huge thank you to the team at ACAST for allowing me to record my intros in their studio, and also to FA for putting this together and recording this episode as well. 
A massive thank you to the Mayor's Press Office for also arranging this interview. And be sure to follow the Wannabe Podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Wannabe Podcast. Right, see you next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.